Hello and welcome to It Takes Courage to Tell the Truth. This podcast features interviews from women around the world focusing on birth, business, sustainability, health, sex, death and money. I'm your host, Eleanor Bancroft. In this episode, I talk with Hannah Forrester, the Northern River's homegrown herbalist. Me and Hannah recorded this conversation at the end of last year, coming into spring, but it is still completely relevant for those on the other side of the hemisphere who are now currently going into spring and summer. And this is a wise conversation. Hannah has a lot to offer around her relationships with plants and how we can deepen our own relationships with plants and the magic that they have to offer us. Hannah is a beautiful woman, a wonderful witch, and it was a pleasure to record her. Hannah, thanks for joining me today. Such a pleasure, Ella. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm really good. Where are you? I'm just in Melbourne at the moment. I'm visiting my family and friends and yeah, spending some time down here. Mm, beautiful. And spring is springing its way into our lives right now, which is why I wanted to record with you because in the beautiful natural cycles of springs where the plants start to sing and they come forth, I, I thought it would be very fitting to have you on as our homegrown herbalist. <laughs> yeah, it's very exciting springtime. Um, just being in my mum's garden, um, everything's popping up, all the flowers. It ch- that's what I love about Melbourne actually so much is that you can see these clear defined seasons compared to where we live up in Northern Rivers, which is a, which has a different, totally different seasonal um, expression. So it's really exciting because mum's got all her like blossoms out, all the bulbs pop up. And just all those little flowers popping up from the ground is really exciting. I love your enthusiasm around plants. And I want to talk a little bit about your story and relationship with um, gardening and um, I guess plants in that space. Like, would you tell me a little bit about your upbringing and how that influenced, you know, the woman that you are today and, and the work and business that you do? It started really with my mum mostly like she's always been in the garden and she's got a beautiful garden um and so whenever she had spare time was always just pottering in the garden and she wasn't ever like yeah come in the garden do these jobs I've got this it was just something that she always did so I just watched her and was around her doing it and watched it grow basically and so as I grew up finding my own place and things it just became you know, just like sweeping the floor and washing the dishes. And it also feels like for me, there's um, this deeper side of it. It even comes in my name, Forrester as well. So there's like this deeper tree connection for me too that it's, it feels like it's in my blood. It's, it's that unexplainable feeling that's just like we're intertwined. Um, I can't really explain what I feel and what I know. It's just there already. And it always has been like all my memories of being a kid were just pottering around in the garden with the plants and the flowers and the animals. Had a really, especially as a kid, had a really, really strong connection with animals. 
And and even as a teenager, you felt um, really drawn to that space? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As I grew up, like health, it came through as health. So when I was 11, I remember it specifically, I came in from lunchtime at school one day and there was just this really strong feeling of like health, like I'm going to look after my health the best I can. And as an 11-year-old, I started getting the books out at silent reading time after lunchtime and started looking at the books with food in it and what vitamins and minerals they carried with them and thought like, okay, well, if I eat more of that, that will make me more healthy. And so I started playing around with food and herbs like that, like parsley and tomatoes on toast. So I had this bit of obsession with the tomatoes and the parsley um, and basil and just working with those and seeing how they could affect me with my immune system when I just got a simple cold. Mm, and so what are they is that a common cold like um solution yeah I was just playing around with the idea of the vitamin c and the tomatoes and the herbs as well so yeah parsley and basil particularly are really great for colds and flus and what do you feel is the correlation between you know healthy body and and the way that we look after the earth yes we are contained in our body This is our container that we have responsibility for, although we are a reflection and we are only what we are is made up of our environment, what's around us. So in a sense, you know, we kind of look the way we look because of how our environment molds us. Looking after the environment is just like looking after our own bodies as well. Being in the garden and planting some flowers or some herbs that we're going to eat looking after the earth but it reflects straight back into us as well because we can eat and appreciate what's growing around us and then you put that out into a bigger scale you know and you start to think of it in an example of picking up rubbish and detoxing our body so if we're picking up the rubbish on one of those pick up rubbish cleaning the beach dates or we're cleaning out the ocean and the water Um, But it's just as important that we are detoxing our body as well and and putting fresh water into our body and teas that might help remove out those rubbishy parts that are in our body, which we tend to collect, you know, because it is around us. It's in our environment. It goes from food that does have, that has been sprayed that we can't always have. Not all of us can have access to chemical free food all the time. And if we can't, then we have opportunities to detox and, and pick up the rubbish and take it out. Mm, and on that, what, what you know, spring, spring cleaning, that's what I feel, like spring detoxing, mm-hmm. like what are some good um, herbs or remedies that we could be implementing this time of year to help us detoxify? Yep. So always, for me, I'm always looking around what's around me, so what grows. And also one of my favourite friends, one of my biggest allies is calendula. And calendula calendula is so awesome in so many different ways, which is why I love calendula. We get on so well. Um, And it's in total bloom at the moment. I have to keep up with picking her. Um, So when I get home, I'll have quite a few blooms to pick, which will be exciting. Um, So calendula is like... If you think of calendula as that bright orange, can be yellow flower, it looks like the sun. 
so it's slightly warming and it's also when you pick it like you can feel it's quite thick it's got quite a lot of liquid inside and it has this sticky feeling when you pick the flowers and there's certain smells so all those senses when using all your senses you can feel that if you would take it in calendula is really healing but it's also slightly detoxing it's very gentle in that and being springtime calendula is out in bloom as well so yeah i say go to calendula but also look what's around you and, and so with calendula um you know is there is there a way in which you can maximize the benefits of it you know i know that in herbalism there's lots of tinctures and teas and what do you think is the best way to like ingest it or put it on topically yeah that's the other amazing thing about calendula is so many ways you can have it um, and so many ways you can interact with it and if you have a certain intention like if you've got something going on there's there is the different ways you can take it and certain ways are better for certain ailments um, you know so obviously like calendula is really good for the skin so obviously if you've got something going on with your skin topical is really good you can either wash it like make a tea of it and let it cool and wash the skin. Depends what's going on, like I said. Otherwise, calendula balm. Um, I love my calendula balm and it's so good for kids, calendula as well. It's good for sensitive skin, but it's like, it has this ability to go deep within and heal from inside out, which mm. is the best thing. It's not just like healing just right on the surface. It goes deep within and it helps clear out toxins at the same time and it also has this healing action it's slightly warming and it's soothing because it has that thick kind of jelly feeling to it um, so it's got so many great actions for healing you know and then there's a tincture which is always a lot stronger um, so if you needed to have it internally if something was going on a tincture could be really good for healing inside um, but calendula tea any day every day is really, really good as well. Mm. Um, having the flowers around, looking at the flowers, they're just like this bright orange, yellow, bursting suns. And when I look at it, all I go is, oh, you're just joy. You know, there's just joy in happiness in looking at them. And when they're popping up in the garden, there's that emotional feeling of joy and happiness. So yeah, calendula's got many ways of acting. And you have a beautiful garden in Goonagari. That's where you live in northern New South Wales. And you also have an amazing business, um, Alchemy of Plant and Soul. Um, you grow all of your, your ingredients in which you put into your products? Yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting pretty close now. So there's a few things I still get from elsewhere. And most of them I grow myself, especially the calendula, like I said. Um, and, and lots of things. I've got lots of chamomile, for example, is going off at the moment. Um, if, you've, <laughs> if you've ever grown chamomile and harvested a whole bunch of it, you really appreciate it. Um, if you're a chamomile drinker, I recommend growing it um, and watching the process and harvesting and drying it so you can have full, deep appreciation for chamomile. Um, but yeah, I've got a whole bunch of natives in there as well. I've got my native bush bank up the back so I use a lot of aromatics from those which are really nice as well um, but yeah for me it's really important that I do grow the herbs so I save the seeds and I plant them and I 
tend to them and I love them and I watch them grow. And then after that, I need to harvest them. So whether sometimes it's just harvesting the leaves, which is great. So it's um, a perennial, which means it's just going to be around year after year. A lot of my natives are like that and they're just beautifully gifting me their aromatics whenever I need it. And then there's other things that, um, yeah, need the seed planted, they're annuals, so they just come each year at a certain time, um, like the chamomile and calendula. So when it's on, it's all on, you've got to be there, hands on deck. And then you've got to dry it as well. So around my house, I've got like bunches of herbs hanging in baskets everywhere. It's, um, and then on the daily, like putting the baskets outside on, especially times like now where it's so dry and sunny, it's really drying time because when it's not dry and sunny, it's it's a mission, you know, it's like get the fire on, dry the herbs, move them around. Sometimes you've got to use the dehydrator just to finish them off to get the last part of the the um, moisture out of them. It's just my little one. It's a good, good um, time to introduce your daughter because you're a beautiful mama. Yeah, yeah, I am a mama and she's just asking my nannies at the moment. They're making Play-Doh. Oh, so sweet. <laughs> so sweet yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, like I said, drying the herbs is a big thing as well. So, but being a part of the whole process um, is really, really important. So that, yeah, after you've got the herbs, then you get to work with them. So it's not just a matter of like buying in the herbs and, and hope they've been treated really good and have all their vision love in them already because really who knows it's very hard to know unless you're unless I source from someone like my mum which I do for example she's got a whole bunch of sweet violets here for me which is so nice um, I can't grow sweet violets up there so she gets she grows my lemon balm for me and my sweet violets she also picks a whole bunch of her weeds out for me which she thinks is a bit weird sometimes um, She's like, what, you want that sticky weed that's so annoying that sticks all over my clothes? I say, yes, please. Can you just, like, pull it out and put it to the side? So, yeah, the great thing about growing your own herbs is that you know that it's got the love and the connection in there, which makes a huge difference. And on that note with, with the friendly weeds, could you, would you talk a little bit more about them? Some of our weeds, we consider weeds because they're not welcome. And they're not welcome because they're not known. And they're from, a lot of them can be from Europe or America, um, but are really useful. And they've come over here a long time ago, most likely because people brought them over because they used to eat them or they used to use them for medicines. You know, it's really important to get to know what grows around you. And there's lots of weeds around, like chickweed is a classic. I love chickweed, so delicious, and it's so awesome for the skin. Um, dandelions are a classic, you know, like getting to know dandelion with our SDs, with our roasted dandelion roots, um, and they're really good for cleaning out the blood and the liver, detoxing, springtime, so, and really grounding and earthy. So, um, you know, coffee's all yummy and, and great for its stimulating purposes, especially when you really work with its power. Um, but there's some days where I cannot do coffee because I know that it's going to send me on a really powerful, wiry, um, how, like sharp power compared to sometimes I just really need that full grounded rooted dandelion, which is going to give me that 
deeper oomph that I need for the day. Um, other weeds that are around is there's a nightshade, you know, like you have to be really careful. There is a, a woolly nightshade, which is the poisonous one, but there's another nightshade around that pops up in the gardens everywhere. It pops up in the sides of the buildings, you know, on the footpath. You can see it around everywhere. And when you get to know it, it's got these little blackberries, which are so good for you, so good for you. You have so many goodies in them and they're a medicine as well. And we put them in our salads and my girl eats them. And, and, you know, when we get to know our weeds, we can just be nibbling and munching along the way as we go. And you start to notice the lawns and how it's not usually just grass. Mm. It will have a whole bunch of different herbs in there. And that can either be a medicine like plantain, get to know plantain if you don't know plantain. There's two types, generally up. Where we are in the Northern Rivers, we've got the, the thinner one, um, but sometimes you can find this really juicy fat leaf one as well. But both are really good, used for so many different things, edible, for skin, um, making balms out of. And it's not about having like a huge knowledge of so many different herbs. It's just about getting to know what's around you. And that can be like five herbs. That can be two to start with. That can be one. Start with one. Like I keep seeing that plant and now I can recognise it. What are you? Like let's get to know you. And um, was that your process with, you know, you um, obviously spent a lot of time in the garden, but was that your kind of process with learning and gaining all the knowledge that you have you know for people out mm. there because it can seem so overwhelming you know even just plant names and how to identify like what what is the yeah best advice or how did you you know come to really being able to hold so much knowledge in your brain around um, the natural world and how we can interact with it yeah so yeah that's a thing that that I talk about quite often because people are do show a lot of interest they're like awesome yes I want to get to know plants and things but gosh there's so much to know like how do you get started so for me it was I was lucky enough because like I said I grew up with my mom and she would just say the names of the plants and I just naturally being a little kid sponged it right up and they got embedded in my brain so I just know what they a lot of them are um to start with so that, but that was the names, you know, and it's not just about the names. It's really like getting to know the feel of the plants um, and just being around them. So once you, you just naturally quite often, if you've got your eyes open, you've got your feelers up and ready to go, you quite often just get um, attracted to a certain plant and then you start seeing it around. And as you do that, you know, just take it sometimes to sit with it and to feel it and to watch it grow so and go through its processes, through its cycles. And once you do that, then you can get to know its name and start to look deeper if it calls to you and you're interested, you know. And then from there, you start to not get to know another one and it is just a one-by-one one process, I feel, um, rather than like opening up a book and being like, okay, that's that herb, what can I memorise about that? Okay, next herb, what can I memorise about that? And then you shut your book and you go, oh. Totally, and I make feeling, (laughs) with any learning, I often find, you know, experiential learning, cellular learning, where I'm actually touching, feeling, experiencing it, is going Mm -hmm. to end up being embedded into my um, psyche a lot more than if I just read it off a book or on a computer screen. 
Definitely. And that's the thing about a lot of um, the education at the moment around herbalism and naturopathy and things like um, I've just been at a beautiful herbal conference and some of the um, the root and branch herbal conference was really, really good. Anyone who's, who likes plants um, and likes to know all the, the special good information that might get, unfortunately, missed at the universities. It was a good place to catch up on all that sharing knowledge. Um, but yeah, one of the one of the big messages and what I could see, because there was a lot of uni students there, is that unfortunately they don't get exposed to the herbs. Like they're not even allowed to taste them. And without the important part of taste, you need like as a as a herbalist and to get to know a plant, taste is one of the crucial parts of getting to know it. Is it bitter? Is it sweet? Does it have an aroma? Like we need to know all the senses. So the best way to do that is to really just step out in your backyard or step out on your nature strip or go to the bush or just be in the park. Like I love weeds because they're so vigorous and they're they just pop up in the lawn. So you just go for a walk and see what's around you and it'll be bang right in front of you. And on that, that topic of um, bitterness, so mm. well, can you elaborate a little bit more around how, um, what, what, what the bitter does? Because so much of our, our diet is, is really salty and sweet and we've kind of really eliminated bitter. And I think often people are quite scared of things that taste bitter because um, it's, it's a really foreign kind of sensation in your mouth and um can seen as unpleasant but i know that in the you know plant kingdom and bitter is actually really important for our immunity yeah yeah well the bitter is is really good for the bile and for the digestion especially um and it is a part yeah you're right that most people a lot of people unfortunately have an uncomfortable experience with bitter and avoid it um so it does become out of balance in our diet um especially when sweet is like the opposing to bitter and sweets like yeah i love sweets so easy to eat um so introducing bitter can be a little bit tricky um and with kids as well you know, especially if they're not used to it. That's why I say when they're puppies and when they're little kids, like just put it on their plate so it becomes just what happens. And whether they eat it or not is another thing, but at least like it's it's got to be there. It's got to be there. The bitter has to be there in our diet. Um, even in your weeds, you'll find like quite often the weeds can have a little bitter aspect to them because they're more natural in a way some of our cultivated plants are really bred out of that bitterness and we avoid them Um, but fortunately with a lot of the heirloom varieties so when you're buying seedlings or seeds you need to look for the heirloom varieties or the there's a few organic companies especially around the northern rivers that do offer more of the older varieties of plants where we can find bitter plants like endive and radicchio and chicory and dandelion even some of the lettuces have this slightly bitter aspect to them so um, getting those into our diets really important and you just i mean you don't have to just munch down a whole bunch of of chicory straight up that's pretty intense but you can easily put it into your salad and mix it up and and then you can make sure you're getting that into your diet because it, mm. it is so important to have that balance. 
Yeah, definitely. And and I think you're right about introducing it earlier on or at least just training yourself, you know, and over time you'll start to be more accustomed to it. Um, in the yep. space of being a beautiful mama, do you have any tips or tricks that you could pass on to women who maybe are, um, you know, thinking about having kids around what kind of herbs they could use during pregnancy? Mm, yeah. Um, so pregnancy is a really delicate stage as well. When we're in pregnancy, our, um, our bodies need to adapt to holding a baby and, and a growing baby and a teeny tiny baby from the beginning. Um, and so being a mother, we need to really take into, um, take that on board in that treat our bodies when, when we are pregnant, treat our bodies so that we've got a little one inside so that we're really sensitive and really gentle with them. Um, so being careful with what we consume is really important. So especially with herbs, because herbs can be quite powerful as well. But as long as they're gentle, they're gentle all the way and are taken consciously. So keeping the minerals up really high, um, lots and lots and lots and lots of leafy greens are really important. Like diet, what I say around pregnancy is really important, diet. So lots of leafy greens, um, lots of liquid especially. So um, when we're eating, if we compare like a bowl of pasta or like bread, um, even dal and rice, it's quite can be quite dry. So when we're eating, making sure that there's liquid in there compared to like a soup or a leafy, fresh, fresh, fresh leafy green salad um, that has um, like fresh veggies in there and, and things like that. So just making sure when we're consuming food, like how, how moist or how dry is that? And I need to put some more liquid in that, like, and just keeping that wet so that everything can be moving through the body healthily. Um, uh, I'll come back to parsley because I'm a big parsley lover. Vitamin K is really important to get during pregnancy, um, which can help the baby later on, especially if I don't want to go into this topic too much, but um, if especially if you're choosing not to give your baby the vitamin K, K shot as well. So really focusing on those dark leafy greens is really, really good. Um, I'll say it again, calendula, love calendula, but again, just gently, not too much. The chamomiles, um, soothing herbs like lemon balm and peppermint can be really good. But again, just everybody is really different. Um, and so some bodies might get particularly hot and some are a little bit cooler. So it's really good to, if you're not experienced with herbs, to go find somebody who is and, and perhaps have a chat about your specific body, especially during pregnancy because our bodies change incredibly so quickly. Um, so I do recommend rather than just giving like an, an all-round take this, do this kind of thing, I think it's better that each pregnant woman has chats to somebody who does have a good idea of of herbs and what would be good to support them during that period 
Yeah, definitely. And I think that's so important to reiterate, just everyone is so different and everybody is really needing all kinds of different things in their body because their alchemy is is different to, you know, the next person's alchemy, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And we all grow up in different environments, coming back to that idea of we are a reflection of our environment. So no body is the same it's not possible we're all born in different second of the whole um, existence so we're all going to be different and our bodies are always going to experience things differently so yeah and that's why it's so good to get to know your herbs so mm. that you can be really looking after ourselves because nobody knows our body better than ourselves definitely I'm really into calming the parasympathetic nervous system. I feel like we live in such a fast-paced um, society and such a, a goal-orientated, like, action society that I'm always looking for ways to, to calm my mind and my body. And would you be able to recommend some good essential oils that I could utilise either on my body or in my diffuser that would help me? Yeah, um, I'm a lover of yarrow as well, and I would recommend growing it too, like not just having it um, in its essential oil form being, when we speak of alchemy, the soul of the plant, when we extract the essential oil out of the plant. So not just having that, because that's really, it's very, very strong, the essential oil, which is very powerful and great but I also recommend growing at something like yarrow, which grows really well where we are. Um, and yarrow, when you look at the yarrow plant, you look at the leaf and you can see it's this feathery, if, if you know yarrow out there, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, go have a look. Um, yarrow has this beautiful feathery leaf and it looks like the nervous system. Hmm. And when you smell it, it's, it's soothing and it's calming and it has that ability to just, yeah, to calm those nerves and to, to soften them and to just bring them back down. And I, I just get this visual of them kind of shaking, this shivering kind of feeling, and then just bringing that back down to stillness. So yarrow is really nice for that. Our chamomile, of course, chamomile tea as well chamomile tea chamomile essential oil like i like to put a little bit of that i've got a blend as well um I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute but chamomile is you look at the flowers as well like and we use the flowers so the flowers being that really um mental part of the flower that the the higher part of the flower as compared to like the roots, for example. So if we wanted to feel grounded, we might look at a plant with its roots. Whereas chamomile, we're looking at the flowers and the soft part of them. And they're really soothing and, and great for children as well. Uh, I'm a lover of catnip, slightly due to my cat obsession as well. I love cats, but catnip is, it's like a mint. It's in the mint family too. So it's got that cooling, calming, but it's a little bit more playful as well. So if you've ever seen cat with catnip, you'll see they just get all playful. But it's, you know, sometimes if we get stuck in our mind and we're, we're in that like oh, wired, way too turned on, like thinking turned on as in, in the mind going and going and going, um, sometimes we need a bit of playfulness too. So, 
Yeah, the, the catnip can be really nice for that. Tulsi is amazing. Tulsi is so amazing. Tulsi is an adaptogen. So, yeah, it can be great for lots and lots of different things. But bring Tulsi in. Tulsi also grows amazingly in the northern rivers and is such a beautiful giver to our bees. Um, Tulsi's in flower a lot of the time with heaps of flowers. So you'll often see like millions of bees just buzzing around really happy as can be and it's really good for us too so yeah try and get tulsi in as much as you can when you harvest your plants what is the process of that you know obviously you've spent so much time growing them and and i think often like people forget like that all steps and elements are you know especially working with plants should really be I don't know, with with clear intentions. And I know that you are harvesting with the moon and honoring in that space. Would you elaborate as to why you do that and what that looks like for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is where I have started to get deeper with my plants as well. Now this is more recent. Um, I've been able to open up to this aspect of it. and And it's like the alchemy side of things. So alchemy is... Uh, it's this entire realm it's like a universe it's the options in it are endless are absolutely infinite um which is the fun part about it um so alchemy has this idea of of working a lot with the moon and the sun and the planets and the stars and that we can align our plants to being um ruled by certain planets um which can help us get to know them, you know, and also then get to work with them a bit more in their potency. Um, As I was mentioning before, just to to keep it simple and to take it back to my love (laughs) of calendula. Um, Calendula is that bright orange flower, which is related to the sun and it's warming. And so we can relate different herbs to different planets with their certain traits um and you might think of a moon plant being more related to dreams and euphoria um and then we have you know our sagittarius which could be elements of the the dandelion so when the dandelion comes you know sagittarius has that expansive feeling to it where it can just you know expand out into the universe well, the dandelion, when it's up and it's seeding and it's got that beautiful tuft of fluffy white seeds that are about to fly off, that's that expansive feeling too. Um, and so this is when we start to really feel into our herbs as well. Like, what do they feel like? What can I relate this to? And then they start to team up into their groups. So I guess before I came into this alchemy side of things, I had a really, I went to university as well and I studied conservation ecology. So a big part of my studies was in botany. And I always had this really natural ability to classify plants into their families and just knowing what they were. It was quite surprising for me even when I could look at plants and just know what it was. And I would, and still, I, I just know what family it kind of belongs to because you just get this feeling like, oh, you're a part of that group. Like you've got those leaves and that flower that does that thing and you've just got that smell about you. And relating it back to alchemy is just, 
yeah, like this way of being able to harvest them on a certain day. So Sunday being sun, the day of the sun, is a really great day to harvest our sun plants like chamomile and calendula. Um, Monday is our day of the moon. And then it goes through all the days of the week um, where you can jump on that opportunity to harvest on those days. Also, it can be the hour, hour of the day can even increase that potency even more. So there's lots of elements that come into it. Um, and then again, like if you were wanting to infuse it, I might, I might choose to infuse it um, particularly on the day that it relates to or um, hour of the day or I'm like, oh, that's a moon plant. I'm definitely going to wait till a full moon time or I might wait till a dark moon time even depending on what I'm doing. So it gets quite um, magical in that sense in that we can work with the energies of it. Um, and really that's where I really like to work with my anointing oils because they have this ability to invoke certain energies. And if we're, there's, there's so much power, like we've all, you know, we see the water crystals changing with, with words of intention. Plants hold so much water. Um, but also like when we're infusing them into medicines or into anointing oils or with any kind of intention, there's so much power behind that. And if we put the layers of alchemy all through that, it's, it, it's lots of fun and it's very powerful. Yeah, and on that note, I was just about to ask the question of do you talk to your plants? Because in this, had this interesting situation with my um, my brother's partner. She had a herb garden. It was just like little planter boxes that were on her veranda. But I went to her house and they were all dying. And she's like, come on, Ella, can you help me? And so what I thought to do was to pull out my guitar and sing to them. And for many people, that may seem quite crazy, you know, um, not, you know, maybe understanding that plants have, like you said, a high content of water and also they're living beings and, you know, carry spirits within themselves. But I, I sang, I just sang to the plants mm -hmm. for like half an hour and I didn't do much more but sing and put a bit of water on them. And the next morning she was like shocked, like actually shocked mm -hmm. that they had come back to life with quite a like amazing vibrancy and and I just like to touch on that because I think so often we could do something like plant a garden or pick you know um, a flower and and not fully connect with the plant and I just I just think there's real power in that and do you do you speak to your plants and if so like what does that look like for you yeah oh that's really beautiful to hear that you took that love and care to give to her plants and and it is it's so fun when you see that difference and they really pick up on it so um yeah definitely i can't help it i can't help it, it just happens you know when, when you grow oh have you ever grown a plant from a seed i've i've grown thousands and thousands but every time it's like having a baby <laughs> it's very exciting when they pop up it's very exciting no matter how many times it happens um so growing a plant from a seed, there's this natural like love that comes from the birth. There's, it's just very natural. And so from that, how can I not talk to it? It just happens. And I might not sometimes verbalize it, but there's this definite like heart radiation that happens, you know, like 
we do have these magnetic fields that run around our brain and around our heart and around our heart is a lot stronger. So there's this feeling of love and care that naturally comes and, and that's, that's a vibration and our plants emit and receive vibration as well. So communicating with plants, it definitely can be through voice and music is beautiful because it has that rhythmic vibration to it along with that heart care and love that you would be giving out in that moment um, and just visiting them too. And it's a, it's a feedback system. And again, it will come back to that idea of we are a reflection of our environment and we are an environment for our plants if they're the individual as well. So there's this back and forth situation that goes on. It's called communication. <laughs> um, that's always going on between us and nature and so having that connection and giving the opportunity for communication between the plants is is really important yeah and making sure that's why that's why it's really important for me to keep growing my herbs for um my lotions and potions and creations that i make because it is that full embodiment and that full like um a full opportunity to have communication to have that intention through the plant all the way through to the medicine making as well and so that it is just very complete in that it's not lacking that love and care um, which might not have happened on large-scale farming of the, the plants unfortunately I mean there's always opportunity to give them that that care and, and love intention afterwards if there it wasn't that opportunity to before but yeah, definitely a big difference with growing and communicating with your own plants there or, or knowing that a loved one has done that and then you get to harvest it afterwards. Yeah, I feel like I, I didn't really understand what magic was until I started gardening, like the actual power of it. You know, when, we, when we're younger, I think it's um, magic is seemed to be uh, something that's unattainable in this this reality or the reality in which I grew up in anyway, you know, growing up in the city. And it wasn't until I started interacting with the natural world and plants that I realized that, you know, we're all magicians. We just have to learn how to activate that magic and then clearly pass that on to what we're, we're, what we're connecting with. And, you know, I just, I, I speak to that because I think, you know, in this, generation where Harry Potter and you know all of these really um pop pop culture type uh ideas of magic it's it's really important that people I feel that they're powerful with their wizards and witchery um and I actually think that that's how we will help to shift and change the world is through our own magic and and bringing that forth and that's like what do you feel is is you know, the importance of us taking back our relationships with plants in terms of the direction in which our future is going. Mm, yeah, well, it's, it's crucial and there's no other way. There's no other way because, yeah, because we are a part of it. It's, it we're a part of nature. We're not separate from it in any way. We are a part of it. And that it's very powerful like we've people have been using herbs and and using plants in many different ways for for as as long as we've existed you know so the only way forward is to 
em, to embrace that power that and that connection that we have with plants to keep it moving forward because, oh, gosh, without going into it, the huge scale of things like and, and the burning of forests and the losing of many plants that, that can't regrow again um, and that's where a lot of our medicines exist is like it's important that we get to know our plants because that's where our connection lies with them. Okay. So for example, when I got out of, when I got out of university of conservation ecology, I was like, Hmm, okay. With this, what am I going to do? How am I going to make the biggest difference? Like what can I do to help the planet be, be good? And it just, for me, it just came back to cool. Well, after all that, I think it starts in our own backyards and the best people to do that is the kids. And so for me, it was like, all right, I'm going to go teach kids about gardening. And because what's the easiest way for people to connect with plants and with their environment, food and water, because they are a couple of the necessities for living. So yeah, it was in the backyards, like let's get kids growing food was my thing. Like that's the way I can easily get people to connect with plants and care for plants is through that. And that's the basics of it. And then from there you can work on to, you know, like <coughs> well, food is the medicine and medicine is the food. And there's that idea, but also to then take it further. Okay, so yeah, how can we care for our skin if it needs to be topical kind of thing? What happens if I get sick? Um, oh, am I getting sick because the air isn't clean? Oh, that's that must be bigger. I must need to plant like some more trees in my backyard or I might go to the park and you know I remember my mom we've got a couple of parks like one next door to us here and one across the road and she would always like she's not supposed to but it doesn't matter she would she plants all the plants in there because she knows that the wildlife need it and the wildlife are going to keep us healthier and our oxygen you know, and then so from our own backyards, we can really start expanding from there. And that's one of the ideas about conservation is you start with what's already pretty strong and really good and you expand that really strong area. Definitely. And it's a really beautiful way to return to utilising also um, natural products. You know, I feel like the more that you come in contact with the natural world, the more kind of sensitive you then become to, you know, more heavy chemicals and um even even just understanding we have so many indoor plants and it Mm -hmm. it gives me so much clarity I love working from my home because I have greenery all around me but also the air is different you know and there's there's certain indoor plants that you can utilize in your home space like um mother-in-law's tongue which I know is really good for um you know clink cleaning the air and helping to purify that space and I, I just think that like information around our relationship with plants like we 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 are so intrinsically linked with them evolutionarily like it's just it's so important that we come back to this place of understanding I guess like that they are our family and and that we live in this very symbiotic relationship with plants and and even more so I think than animals considering that trees take what we expel and they turn it into what we need to inhale you know it's like it's just it's just how it should be you know I was like laughing the other 
yeah go <laughs> oh it's just a direct benefit like we're just a team we can't live with it without each other like you need me and i need you and i love you and you love me it's just how it is there's no other way yeah absolutely and i think trusting in the unseen magic of that relationship is really important too you know i think a lot of times um people can be skeptical around the natural world because they don't understand it. It seems very um, unknown to them, you know, but just I think coming back to that strong place of trust that, that the natural world is not out to get us. It's actually, it's actually here to protect us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's for the yeah. Yeah, it's for the good. We Definitely. Whatever reveals itself to us is for the good. Yeah. And we get a lot of good benefits. You know, I got recently... I was talking to somebody about um, just on that discussion point of you saying that you're teaching young children. And I was speaking to a guy who does tree planting with um, uh, kids who have struggled with substance abuse. And one of the things he says to them when they have their hands in the soil is like, how, how are you feeling? Like, how do you feel? And, you know, often the response is like really good. Or like, I feel a little bit like, like high or like energized. And mm-hmm. he's uh-huh. explaining that, you know, serotonin is released in your brain when you touch soil. Absolutely. Amazing. Amazing. I know for me, like whenever I'm having those days where I'm feeling just weird and and confused and not quite sure what I should be doing or like what should fulfill me now, like I, I just go to the garden and it's my sanctuary and no matter what happens there, I know I'm going to have a good time and everything is okay. Like it's my place of therapy. And I really encourage anybody else who is feeling like um, not fulfilled or feeling, yeah, confused, not sure, any, any of those feelings, angry, sad. Oh, the best places I've had my biggest cries are just like flat on the ground in my garden. I know that she'll soak up every tear and turn it into something really awesome and it happens and it's the best place to surrender to and it's the best place to be inspired and any especially those days where I just don't give myself like plans like oh this must be done this must be done this must be done I just go oh okay I did have those plans but none of them feel right so I'm just going to throw it all out the window today and I'm going to go into the garden let the sun shine on my shoulders and just potter and before I know it, like hours have passed and I'm, I'm feeling good. And it's, it's so healthy just to be out in the garden, even just pottering and watching. And you do a bit of a job and you step back and you go, oh, look at that. Look at that feels awesome. And then you, you watch it grow over the next little while and, it's, and it just keeps giving in unexplainable ways. It's just, it's deep within us deep within us and we don't need to know a lot it's just about getting out there in the garden and it will teach you Mm. and it teaches me every time it's continual I love the way that you talk about plants and and your garden I just have a giant smile on my face right now just listening to you it just it fills my heart I feel like you crack it open and I'm like yeah girl (laughs) sing it (laughs) um hey so what do you think are some big truths that you have discovered through your journeying with plants. Um, You know, a a big key point for this podcast is about exposing 
the truths um, that are real to us, you know, that maybe we don't get taught um, in the schooling system or from our parents or just taught in general because there's been a lot of um, lack of a lot of dislocation of knowledge you know um from our ancestors and the people that came before us so yeah what what are some truths that you've discovered Mm. yeah so yeah i mean in school we're taught a certain bunch of um skills but they're not complete at all at all there's lots of things they don't teach and that is okay I fully accept that if we go to school that's the set of skills that we're going to learn but don't forget there's a whole bunch of other stuff that they're not teaching so don't leave it all in the teacher's hands because they're limited to teach what they're told to teach and that's that um which is which is great what they can teach but there's yeah there's this whole other aspect of things. So it's really important that we're proactive with our learning and educating ourselves and, and that experiential learning. So it's really important that we are out in nature or we are out in our garden and spend and making time, making sure there is time to explore that freely. And as a child, it's the best time to do that because they're so spongy and it becomes ingrained in them from an early age especially um but through my own experience with with plants and and some truths that i really feel um coming up is that and i have mentioned it already that we are we are a part of nature to start with we are a reflection of everything that's around us the the environment the other people that we've grown up with it's like we're in an imprint like we've been molded by the shapes of our environment and that's not just physically although it is physically even our name has an impact on what we look like it also comes to our personalities it comes down to how we feel what we feel is a reflection of that and then we are also a part of that environment for somebody else we are also as our individual being a part of the environment for that tree over there, for that flower over there. And in that, there's, we are all connected and we are union. So something I've been practising lately is walking down the street and knowing we're just one big organism, you know, like a beehive. All the bees are, there's individual workers, but they definitely work for the same thing. I'm walking down the street, especially being in the city and there's heaps of people. And going, yeah, you're just, we're just, you're a part of me and you're that element of me which might feel more distant from me because I'm not experiencing it in this container of my body. But I, I can feel you, like you've got, you've got those parts. Like on the plane as well, there was, this, there was this guy that I don't particularly, you know, like resonate with and he was quite strong and, and I could hear him and he was quite strong. And then I started to remember those thoughts like actually, we are just a part of the same, we're the same spirit, just in different containers. And you've had a certain environment around you, which has, which you're expressing as this. And it brings that compassion um, for somebody else who normally might like kind of 
uh, rub me up the wrong way and make me feel a bit irritated. It just softened that completely and I felt compassion like, oh, you're just expressing that part of you and why should it bother me? You've been in that experience. Um, I don't have to take responsibility because I don't really know you in this, in this physical body, but it just opened up that compassion. Um, yeah, so there's this real there's this truth when when it comes to connecting with our environment and learning about our plants is this interconnectedness and this union and unity between us um the the truth on on education as well it's and i could see this at the conference the other day it's it's so limited and I don't like to put it down. I just like to say it's really limited in what it's teaching. Unfortunately, it doesn't give a broader aspect in it. And it, they're not saying, here's this amount of skills, but you guys should go out and learn what you want to learn. It's like, no, learn this. And unfortunately, they're forgetting to say there's a whole bunch of other stuff out there that we can't teach you. <laughs> um, but fortunately, with these gatherings and, and herbal conferences that are, that are around, um, we can share knowledge and we can share this information of from long time ago and that innate <clears throat> knowing and that intimate connection we can have with plants which is beyond the textbooks and it's beyond just that physical side of things it's it's the intuition of things and and really feeling a plant and just going i don't know why this concoction needs something blue right now but i'm feeling like it needs blue and that it's that intuitive feeling um of of herbs and when we get to know our herbs like in that way and we don't have fear around putting that particular herb into that blend um the healing just opens up so much more and and that's another part of it as well is releasing the fear um because unfortunately with you know tight rules and regulations um the only way to really have those tight rules and regulations is to back them up with fear you know if this and this and this happens this consequence can happen instead of opening it up and going yeah be cautious in this situation avoid those situations but Please do open. And just being around like-minded people that we can build each other up and not, and release that fear, you know, just release it and go, it's okay. Um, you're actually doing amazing things when you use your intuition mm, and i'm so glad you spoke to fear i think that like that is a it's a big um truth that i like to expose is 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 this idea around fear is what is fear and we tend to run um away from something that we're fearful um, my new philosophy in life is if I'm if I'm fearful of something, I should run towards it because actually fear is when I, I meet my uncomfortability, which means that I meet my, my edge of growth, you know, and through that, through whatever that moment is, um, however uncomfortable it is, I will come out 
changed at the end of it. So for me, fear has become, you know, quite symbolic with the serpents. We have a lot of snake medicine up here. I feel like there's just a lot of snakes being in the Northern rivers and, you know, just the potency of the fertility of this land and that connection and, you know, really witnessing a the fear or fear that people have for snakes but actually to like and I'm not suggesting people run towards the snakes but (laughs) metaphorically you know to run towards that as a you know it it maybe as a sign and embracing fear as our inner child or our little friend who's trying to show us that if you if you walk here and come towards this this will actually make you a different person and probably a better person um, more capable Mm -hmm. to tackle the the world and and all the fears that do have are associated with living I guess yeah absolutely and that big exposure of fear with the natural world too you know we've been so removed and so um just placed in in bubbles of comfortability that that sometimes the natural world it seems scary but I really think that the way that we um, learn to especially with what's going on politically and, and climate change is that we learn to actually tackle that is to redevelop our natural our, our relationship with the natural world mm. yeah and finding that comfortability in the unknown the un the unseen um, things that aren't so tangible to our fingers you know that's very much in the natural world is that surrender to I can't control everything. I can have this idea, but really there's a much stronger power of momentum going on um, that's, that's connecting us all. So it's not just about me in my container of my body wanting to do what I want to do. It's actually we've all got this job together that we're doing on a much bigger scale than just our own lifetime even. We're in this much bigger thing. And so remembering that, that we can't actually see right here, right now, um, what our ancestors did or what our children in the future and their children's children are going to do. That's very much in the, the unknown and the unseen and the untangible and just being okay with that and knowing that there is, yeah, this bigger momentum happening and we're just a part of that. So releasing that fear and then when that fear is released, it's much easier to connect into that intuition part of things and, and feel relaxed and calm and go, yeah, I just don't know why that herb's calling me. I just don't know why that tree's just got to go into that place right there. But it is. And whether we see it come to fruition in our lifetime or not, at least we could trust that intuition and know that it was for the good because... Yeah, nature is working for the good. There's no doubt about it. So we can trust that. So beautifully said. Um, Hannah, I could talk to you for like six more hours and I probably (laughs) will ask you to come back because I feel like we just skimmed the surface of plants. Um, But uh, you're speaking at a conference on the the 19th of October? Yes, that's right. Um, so what, what is the conference and um, what day are you speaking for people who may want to go and, and hear yeah. more of your wisdom? Yeah. So this is at Rebel Herbal and it's going to go over the weekend from October the 18th until the 20th. And I'm chatting on the Saturday the 19th about wildcrafting remedies. And 
Um, it's cool because this is another one, like the one I went to a couple of weeks ago, Root and Branch, that was the first gathering of its type. And then now this one's, this one's slightly different. Um, but again, it's herbalists coming together for the first time with this, this group. Um, and it's just, it's really exciting to see this movement in herbalists. Like we're getting together, having gatherings and sharing information that's perhaps not shared um, in other places where people are learning to become herbalists and so that they can, when they become ready to be helping others, they've got this broader knowledge but mostly like a feeling confident and feeling free to really use their power. Like uh, it, this is what gets me so excited. I love meeting other herbalists and we have these similar passions and some of us have like the same passions but to see another herbalist, how they express it is always different. It's so fascinating and like when you get together, when I get together with people at these herbal gatherings, like we just get to ask the questions of like, yeah, and what's your favorite herb for this? And who's your best ally for that? And what do you think about like the moon on this day? And we get to ask all these questions and you know, everybody has their different answers for it. And it's so much fun. Um, yeah, so Rebel Herbals haven't been to obviously yet because it's for its first one, but it's just about bringing forth all that information that could be getting lost if we don't gather together. So. Um, it's really unfortunate what's happening like in Australia like that they've got tough rules on on herbs that have been banned like comfrey you know like these herbs that have been around for so long um, and have been used in so many different ways along the way it's it's quite fascinating at this other herbal conference we talked about St Mary's Thistle and she looked at the history of where it's been used and how it's been used and the amounts of ways it's been used um, in the past is incredible and it says so much about the herb but now mostly we just look at it um, as like for blood and cleansing the liver and that's that and, and herbalists are learning in uni like yeah that's St Mary's thistle and they only know it in a brown bottle rather mm. than all the various ways it was used in the past and so in these herbal gatherings it's like we can, we have opportunities to pull out these herbs that don't get discussed in, in formal settings like a university. And we get to say like, and share information. I actually used it in this situation. It really worked for this person, you know, and it's really important that we get together and share this information so it's not lost. Just diving into that, what, why would they, why would they ban a herb? Like what, what? <laughs> What, what is that? <laughs> what is that all about? <clears throat> yeah. Well, well, there's a few ideas. Like sometimes they, uh, it's about fear and embedded, like there's this idea of fear. So herbs can be really, really powerful. They are. A lot of the pharmaceutical herbs are based on plants from the Amazon. Um, they're, plant, they're based on herbs that have been used for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Um, with good reason and they base them on that sometimes they just want monopoly on them and they might use a tactic of fear and say this person had a bad reaction there might be you know like a case of a bad reaction um, they can easily use the ideas of somebody who mixed it with a pharmaceutical drug um, because pairing up pharmaceutical drugs with a strong herb can have obviously bad effects as can mixing any bad 
things together, like very strong things together, it's going to have adverse effects. Um, so unfortunately, they can look badly upon the herb that can be available um, to to anybody, and they think that if anybody's just going to take it, or oh, they might get harmed, and so they ban it and say we're not having that available on the shelves anymore. Nobody can buy that herb um, from the shop. It's not to say that people don't grow it in their backyard. Yeah, mm. it's like Monsanto with seeds and trying to own seeds so that people can't grow seeds and then they hybridise them so that they can't breed in the future and have their own seeds. That's why seed saving is so important. Go to your next seed saver event. In Northern Rivers, there's one coming up on October the 11th at the farmer's market. Seed savers, go exchange seeds so that we've all got this precious bank of seeds or cuttings um, so that we do have these herbs and foods that are our medicines as well um, available to us all so they're not taken from us because that's our power. Our plants are our power and knowing about these plants is our power. Medicine is power. It's... Um, it, we just have to share it and it has to be more available. Um, so yeah, gathering together, sharing information, sharing seeds, sharing cuttings, sharing herbs, sharing medicines, all of it. Sharing yeah. Sharing, just sharing, just coming back to that, break down those white picket fences and say hello to your neighbor, you know? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, so you're working on a website at the moment for your business, but how will people be able to go and look at your products? Yeah, so Instagram's really good for me at the moment. Um, so Plant and Soul on Instagram, or at Plant and Soul on Instagram, or Facebook as well, so you can communicate through Facebook, um, Alchemy of Plant and Soul on Facebook. Or email as well, so plantandsoul at gmail.com. Um, they're the best ways at the moment. And, yeah, working on my website, I have to admit, like, sitting down at the computer is a little tricky when my garden's sparkling out the window and saying, come play. <laughs> uh, so it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. It's, it's another world to get to know, the internet world, so... That's okay. And also anybody that is a gardener or works with plants understands the importance of patience and that we have to, like any good thing, sit and wait for it to grow, including your website. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Ella. No worries, Han. Thank you so much for talking to me today and for sharing all your wisdom. And I really, I really encourage people to... Um, reach out to you you know especially people on the east coast of Australia um, because I think it's really important that we support um, local um, and and people that are, are doing stuff from the ground up you know you're growing all your own plants and you're really passionate about it and um, yeah and I'm just so supportive of you and your work and I just think you're a magic woman thank you Ella yeah and I do encourage people to get in touch you know and and I do help people, like, it's about empowering everybody. So I'd love everybody to take that responsibility and know how to look after themselves, but know where to reach out to as well to get that help to look after themselves, you know. So I'm here for that. Thank you for being available for us. You're a beautiful community <laughs> member. <laughs> Such a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs>